Nick, we're in the science shed again. I've got a joke for you. What is it? Well, I bought a pair of trainers the other day off a drug dealer. When Nick says about to tell a joke, he's got this like little kind of wry smile. You can tell he's laughing at him before he's even delivered the punchline. He's spoiling my comic <laughs> timing. Okay. I've All stolen right. it off my friend. Chris. All right. Do it again. Steve. Nick. I, um, I bought a pair of trainers off a drug dealer the other day. Yeah. I don't know what you laced them with, but I've been tripping all day. Hey. Should we get on with the podcast? All right. Yay. Bunsen, Dolly, Internal, Combustion. Why Do We Need, Petri, Oscar, Bay. Isaac, Newton. Transplanting. Oh, hello Steve. Nick, how are you? Well, uh, we're up in London, Guy's Hospital, again, in this lovely little spot. More um, podcasts. More podcasting. Um, but I'm a bit late this morning, wasn't I? Yeah, you were a bit late. Well, yeah, I, there's a good reason for that. What's the reason? Nick? I had Tell some me mechanical issues with my car. Mecha- well, so, I think as, for people that don't know, I think your, you know, I think your car history is exemplary. It's just full of very expensive, very well maintained machines. So I can't imagine what could have possibly gone wrong. Yeah, I drive bangers. <laughs> <laughs> but this is the first non-banger let's, that let, I've had, let's and run. it's the first car that I've had a proper problem with. So this is it. So Nick's getting up. He's coming oh, to London. He's very excited about doing the well, podcast. Hammed, Paint the picture, Nick. Hammed at the weekend. But I had to take it to the garage. Serious mechanical fault. Right. When I was at my at my mum's house mm. over the weekend up in Northamptonshire, put all the stuff in the boot, closed the boot, boot wouldn't open ever again. <laughs> closed, wouldn't closed. close, wouldn't open. It was it was constantly open and constantly closed at the same time. What do you mean? Well, on the dashboard it says boot open. <laughs> yeah. So you try driving the thing. Yeah. It bleeps at you every ten minutes. <laughs> right, which is annoying. Which is annoying. And when you try and open it, it won't open. <laughs> <laughs> so you've got like a superposition. It's like the, the, the It's like uh, Schrodinger's cat. cat. Yeah. Yeah. It's my it's boot open closed. It's both. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to um So you trying to pull it back to science there. So yeah. <laughs> yeah nice one. <laughs> Thanks. So basically, I couldn't work out how to do it. In my coat, a tiny corner of my coat. Yeah. So I've also been cold this morning because a <laughs> tiny corner of my coat is stuck in the boot mechanism. So I can't get my coat out of the car. And I can't <laughs> open the bloody boot. So I took it to the mechanics this morning. <laughs> Did they just like shake well, their head? We've got a great mechanic. He's like, oh, bit of a problem again with the car, Mr. Evans. So you've got an annoying boot problem. Like, oh, we'll see what we can do. Just right. leave it here. I'm sure I can take the panelling off and yeah. get it open. We'll do a coat hanger job. This is how he speaks, by right. the way. It's a great guy called Mike. Mike Mattingly Motors of Southampton. Little little plug there for Mike. Yeah, yeah. he doesn't do the internet, though. It's, um, it's a lot of mechanics, you know. But other people might in Southampton might need automotive repair, and now they know a good person. Absolutely, mm, yeah. Right. Go and see Mike; he's great. I think he's got plenty of work on. Anyway, so that's why I was cold and also late this morning because I had to take the car to the garage. All right, so we talk about some science. Yeah, let's get on with the podcast. Nick, Steve, how you doing? I'm all right. Um, I'm just. Um, do you know what happened this week? What? So we have this thing in my Sorry, lab. Sorry, I got right? distracted. All right, what are you distracted by? Because there's people in the next room. There are. And they keep threatening to come in. But they won't. They we'll, won't. We'll just podcast them so so Maybe hard. Maybe we can get them to sit down with us. Anyway, I was right. interrupting you, Steve. You were about to say something. So we have... So you know I work a lot with... We've got a lot of microscopes in my lab, right? Yeah, that's and one your of, job. One of, my, one of my bugbears that I have is... Bear. Is... Bugbears. 
bears. I have multiple bugbears. We've talked about you being a bear, haven't we? <laughs> this might be on a different podcast. So, so t- tell me about your bugbear. Uh, so one of the things another really... class of bear. Apparently, in the in the bear in the gay community amongst mm. bears, there's another class of of um, of sort of subtype of bears called otters. Oh, I've heard of that. So in fact, bears, you've told me about this. Yeah. <laughs> they're not quite as hairy. You seem a little bit inter- very interested in the gay community, Nick. Well, I am interested in the gay okay. community. I went to Iceland last year the, 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 to Reykjavik, this. and it coincided with a party called Bears on Ice. Right. Which is a big bear, gay bear party wow. when they all go to the Blue Lagoon and, and have naked. a big pool party. No, they, they, they're, very, they're respectable, <laughs> nice people. They just go there in their right. swimming trunks and just have a few just drinks and a guy plays and some dance. DJ songs. Yeah. And actually, no, this is another coincidence. A friend of mine in Australia, Colin Gaff, he's DJ. He, um, he DJed at Bears and Ice the previous year, but he wasn't there when I happened. Oh. So we just happened to rock up by me just accidentally. But we were we were staying in a sort of Airbnb sort of place. Yeah. And in the next room, there were these two Northern Irish bears. Right. One was definitely a bear. You know, big, a, huge, my, bearded man. I just imagine. But his a his boyfriend bear. was was a sort of didn't look very bear like. Yeah. And then I found out subsequently from my friends who were bears in the community <laughs> that he was an otter. <laughs> so an otter. Okay. Well, that's good to know. Yeah. Yeah. So, microscopes. Right. <laughs> Sagging back. Some people would have like a strong oh, segue. Oh, bugbear. Your bugbear. Yeah. yeah. So bugbear. I was wondering whether there was another subgenre of bears called a bugbear. Bug bear. What right. would they be like? Well, I'd imagine they'd probably be quite small. Small. Smaller. Maybe very, it, creepy? It, 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 like, irritated easily. <laughs> or they would irritate easily. Oh, yeah. Anyway, um, in the context of your microscope, what's, what was your bugbears do? So um, so one of the things that we do, we, we get a lot of images. Like, like we... we you know, talk about science and we show images that come yep. from the microscope. Yeah. Pictures. One, pictures. Mm. And one of that, that is a synonym <laughs> for images, yeah. Um, and uh, one of the things I get, I always ask for a scale bar on my, on my images. Well, right? you need to have a scale bar on your That's images. right, Nick, you do. And I, I have a thing in my lab, I'm like... That's we, a bugbear in mine. We have a colloquialism. Is that your bugbear? Massively. Oh, good. So, but we have it in the lab, right? This is my kind of colloquialism. I say, you have to put a scale bar on any image you show. If you don't, I get to punch you in the face. Oh my god! What? And if and if and if, but the thing is, if I miss one, they all get to punch me in the face. That's that's what I kind of tell them, right? And obviously, I don't really punch me in the face, but it's a kind of like, it's exactly punching. a kind of like an intellectual face punch. Uh, so no, we, I've said this, you know. Did we you forget this No, but I did punch a student in the face. Oh my god! <laughs> so I was at Should this conference. Should you be saying this? I was at this conference. Are we going to put this? It, on was, there? it was an accident. <laughs> You accidentally punched someone what? in the face. Actually, so we're, I'm at the... just turning around with a closed fist, swinging your arm around. <laughs> oh, I'm terribly sorry. It was a complete accident. So we were. I was at this conference on Monday with a PhD student of mine, and we were coming back. This was through... in America again. No, no, no. Oh, no. This is, this in is a different conference. This right. is a conference um, in. It was by Heathrow, so far less glam- glamorous on, than uh, the New York. But I was coming back, and we were coming back on the tube. Uh, through London to get to King's Cross to go back to Cambridge, and um, like you know, as the ju- as the circle line normally does, it like judders, uh, and uh, and she kept she kept flying and she just flew into my fist, right? So it's kind of like Baldrick in Black Adam exactly, running, running into, into my Rowan fist. Atkins but anyway, so so we came. I came in yesterday. And she's got like 
proper black eye. Oh my god, Steve. Are you serious? <laughs> I'm serious. You've punched it. I punched I literally punched my student. Are you saying this and, story and, now and, as a cover, cover and, story? And a, you I, no, I've been I've been on record many times saying if they miss a scale bar, I'll punch, punch them in the face. face. Oh my god. So what do I do, Nick? I've got I've got to have a cover story, I've got to get out. Actually she was very good about it. She you know she was a mis- it was an accident. But, so you but, were so, but, what literally, you doing but this is what happened. this is what happened. You were happens. holding your fist. I was just standing there. I you was were like, standing there with a fist, like kind of like well, no, braced, no, my... bracing your arm with a fist <laughs> out at arms like, with you, my elbow locked. Your... And she just happened Oh, I'm sorry. Yet the train stopped and she staggered forward and her face just connected with, <laughs> with my, my fist. In exactly the right way, yeah. So just going back to reality. Yeah. What, how did that happen then? So she just kind of like just kind of lurched forward. Where was your fist? It was on the the pole of oh, the, so of the if tube. If, so if your fist hadn't been there, she would have just smashed her face off maybe, the pole. Maybe, maybe. Something like that. That's my, that's oh, my so argument in the law court. Her but to the, the rest pole. of the lab, this is what happened is we went to a conference and then, and then someone came back with, uh, with a black eye. And and but she, and she didn't give she gave a presentation or she gave a poster and I've just got to double check that hopefully there's scale bars on it otherwise I am <laughs> in a court of law I'm going down. <laughs> I've already reported you while we've been talking about it. <laughs> Thanks, Nick. Don't like autumn. Don't like autumn. Why not? Don't like the, it's the season of death. The, the season of death. And which is correlated with Donald Trump being elected. Oh, do, why do you have to bring that up again? It's, everyone's talking about Donald bloody Trump and it's depressing every time it's mentioned. I tell you what, should we cheer everyone up by talking about some science? Yeah. <laughs> Hooray! Steve, I've been reading a really good book recently. Really good book? Yeah, What's it's book? an autobiography of a chap called George Gamow. Have you heard of George Gamow? I haven't heard of George Gamow. Who is George Gamow? So it's called My World Blind. So George Gamow, he's a, he was a mathematician and physis, physicist, theoretical right. physicist, in the early part of the 20th century. And he's famous. He's not, he's not one of these people who's won a Nobel Prize, but he's famous for doing stuff like discovering quantum effects. One of the things he discovered was... Um, alpha particle emission. Oh, cool. You know, radiation. Helium nuclei. Al- exactly. Yeah. An alpha particle is two tiny neutrons, two protons, and they shoot out of an atom. But in classical physics, people didn't really understand how that could happen energetically. Right. So he applied quantum, um, the theory. new quantum theory to it, and basically it's, it's a tunneling. So it's a probability effect. Right. The energy comes from quantum physics, yeah, basically. It's not deterministic. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't understand it, but he was involved in it. And he's more famous. Do, okay, quick. So we should talk about, we should do a quantum course. Maybe we get someone who knows about it. I teach it. Do you really? I teach quantum mechanics. Well, the, the, quantum, mechan- the, chemists, the quantum mechanics for chemists, I So teach. you're a poor man's quantum Terrible, <laughs> very, very poor man. <laughs> well, that'd be interesting. But anyway, he, he discovered... Um, he discovered that, and he also later in life he, he's famous for publishing a series of books called the Mister Tompkins series. Oh, I have, yes. Mister okay. Tom, there's a famous one called Mister Tompkins Goes to Town. Yeah, and the idea is it explains relativity by imagining a world where 
the speed of light is much slower. Right. Like instead of what is it? So all of the relativistic three, effects. Instead of like, yeah, instead of three billion meters per second, yeah. it's like thirty Th- meters per second or something. Right. So they all become obvious to people in everyday life. Yeah. But anyway, this book is classic. There's so Loving many stories it, yeah. in it. Well, there was one thing he, he talks about. He, he's a, he's kind of like a rac- sort of a wit and a raconteur and a bit of a farcer, nice. joker and a you know trickster Nothing, guy that you like to probably go for a guy with, with a sense of humor, man. Do you think it would have been so, good? So to many been, good stories in this book, Pardon? right? Do you think it would have been good to like have as a colleague? Oh like, yeah, yeah, yeah you'd like to go for a cup of tea in the faculty. Yeah, lounge. he's a bit off the wall. Right, could get you in trouble, I reckon, if you hung right. around with him too much. You like wake wake up with a few bad hangovers. So there's a few interesting stories, right? And right. um, we could maybe spread this over. a another podcast as well but i just want there's, give, there's give me one, one. well Hit one me. of them I i'm just excited wanna, so he talks about his first what the, the experiment that made him a scientist right so i'm gonna ask you at the end whether you there's anything that happened in your upbringing that sort of tuned you in to wanting to do science right and for him he's talking about his life early life in um in russia he's a russian guy yeah um in, in odessa right and perhaps in well annexed by Russia now, he used to be mm-hmm. in Ukraine. Um, and he talks about one day his, his dad bought him a microscope and he wanted to try and find out, he was going to church and he yeah. wanted to try and find out. He'd heard this thing at church, they said that, you know, the bread turns into the flesh of Christ and the wine into the blood. So what he did was he decided to, in a, he took this microscope home and to, to try and work out whether this was correct. He did right. an experiment. So he says in the in the Russian church, I'll do it. I'll, I'll do his accent in this kind of. Um, you don't know what he sounds like. No, 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 no. But he's gonna... a Russian dude, but he's a provincial Russian. Right. So let's translate it to England. So I'll do it in a provincial English accent. <laughs> right. So in the Russian church, doing communion, the red wine and the bread dropped into it, turning the blood and flesh of Christ our Savior, Jesus Christ. On one occasion, when the priest gave me an ounce of transubstantiated wine and a, cr- a crumb of bread on a gold plated spoon. I kept the piece of breadcrumb in my cheek and quickly ran home and put it under my microscope. For the sake of comparison, I had earlier prepared a similar piece of breadcrumb soaked in red wine, so I had a control. Excellent, excellent. Look, control experiment. My... You need the controls. Right, right. Looking into my microscope, I could see no difference between the two specimens. Oh, what does that tell you? The texture of the two pieces of bread was exactly the same and quite different from the texture of a tiny piece of my skin, which I Irish cut from now. the end of my finger. <laughs> Well, this is what happens in, uh, in Odessa. It's getting annexed, you know, okay. sometimes communists. Oh, yeah, so you're actually reflecting the, the, po- the changing political landscape we're, with your accents. Well, look, the colour of the sample <laughs> taken home from church was still reddish, but my microscope was not strong enough to recognise individual blood cells. Thus, I had only half proof. But I think this was the experiment which made me a scientist. Wow. What do you think of that? He had a control, a couple of controls That's there. amazing. He had a negative control, control. and he had his flesh, he had his... His skin is a positive control. Right. Even a kid. That's, that's pretty impressive. So Do you think for that's all of you budding scientists out there, yeah, I think, I think my feeling is the quality of your science is determined by the, the, the your controls. I agree. What you can you compare it. Science is just comparing one thing with something else. The only difference between science and larking around is writing it down. Mm. <laughs> anyway, was there anything, Steve? Did you ever do anything like that? So I did, I cut open my finger to get some blood to put on my microscope in a similar kind of way. I've still got the scar there with a the scalpel. How old were you then? 
how we you get your first microscope? Five, six. Oh my god! So you cut yourself just. So I you had a scalpel it. in the kit, and I think you're supposed to like slice something. So I just sliced my finger oh, open. That wouldn't happen these days. Yeah, you probably get a not. Scalpel. Yeah, it's probably really unsterile too, because it's probably like sat in my drawer, covered, getting covered in fluff. Um, but yeah, I did that and yeah. got some blood and put it on my microscope to have a look at that. But um, was there an experiment that really? It was it was never an experiment. I would say I would mm. say I definitely really enjoyed finding out about the world. I definitely in science class and things finding out how does that work. Particularly, I like I like the periodic table. Really liked the periodicity. Like why do things change? The fact that as you move along, every it just it's so beautiful, right? That every every nucleus uh, every nuclei increases its atomic mass and the neutrons and electrons. I well, really loved all of that. I suppose the periodicity of it's quite interesting, isn't it? Yeah, you, know, you would get the repeating properties of. Elements as you that, go up, and people didn't know why that happened until Mendeleev came along. That's true, and then you also had these examples of like technetium, right? So technetium is a is an element for people that know in the product table, which is in the transition metals. And actually, when they built, when they first assembled, like you say, when Mendeleev assembled the first periodic table, there was a gap in it. And they said, "Oh, this doesn't make sense." So there should be an element. But um, they couldn't. But they hadn't discovered it at that point. Well, that happens. Lots of elements in Mendeleev's period. But, he left spaces. That yeah. was his genius. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but technetium was, in fact, I think has been discovered um, uh, in the natural world now. Yeah. But it was the first one that to be artificially made. Oh wow! Right? And so, so that was so the they were like, there's a gap in the periodic table where this element should exist, and <clears> we can't find it in nature anywhere. Yeah. And so yeah. they had to go and whack it in a in a. In a high energy accelerator I think it's me I didn't so I don't have I don't remember doing any I think I was interested in nature and the the natural world you know I was into bird watching and things which is not quite the same but by the same token I was interested in like the meaning of life and (laughs) so you're a philosopher I think maybe I missed my call well you know I was really into the planets and you know planets oh yeah and all Love the stars the dinosaurs and planets stuff. every kid is into yeah, dinosaurs and planets so. but I, I never did an experiment like he did and i think oh does that make me less of do you reckon he did i reckon that's like i think up, i think thing. i think that's made up there's loads of other it's good that, stories it sounds there. like quite a bombastic gentleman i'm sure he can just like you probably would you could probably retrospectively apply meaning to things when you're just being a kid you know <laughs> Another story from um, yeah. this book is talking about. So again, he's in Odessa, yeah, um, hanging growing, out, growing hanging up. out, growing up, and at the end of the First World War, yeah, the Russian Revolution happened in was it nineteen seventeen? Uh, like I think so. Yeah. So the the there were battles, and constantly other countries were involved. Yeah. Crimea was constantly being invaded, taken by the tumultuous times, taken back by the Tatars and other other people constantly flipping between being communist and mm-hmm. imperialist and he, he he talks about a story one of his friends was a professor professor of physics in odessa he's called igor tam igor tam Have you yeah heard of igor tam name sounds familiar he won the nobel prize for physics in 1958 so he goes to the local village igor tam does um when odessa was occupied by the communists because yeah. they're all starving, they haven't got enough food. So they take a load of silver spoons out to barter for yeah. food with villagers. It's quite a dangerous thing to do. Yeah. So um, as he was doing this, he said the village was captured by one of the Makino bands. So these were kind of the, some of the group of people yeah. who were against the communists. So they saw his city clothes, they brought him to the Ataman. The Ataman was a bearded fellow. In a tall black fur hat with machine gun cartridge ribbons crossed on his broad chest and a couple of hand grenades hanging from his belt. <laughs> okay, baddie. 
Yeah, sounds he like says, a baddie. He says, and then he says, he says, here we go. You son of a bitch, you communist agitator, undermining our mother Ukraine. The punishment is death. But no, answered Tan. I'm a professor at the University of Odessa and I've come here only to get some food. Rubbish, retorted the leader. What kind of professor are you? I teach I've heard this story. I've heard this story. Mathematics, says the Atman. Yeah, this All is right. great. Then this, give me an estimate of the error one makes by cutting off Maclaurin series at the nth term. Do this and you'll go free. Failing, you'll be shot. <laughs> so Tam could not believe his ears. The problem belongs to a rather special branch of higher mathematics. Under the muzzle of a gun, he worked out the solution and handed it to the Ataman. Correct, said the Ataman. Now I see you really are a professor. Go home. <laughs> Who was this man? No one will ever know. If he was not killed later on, he may well now be lecturing on a higher mathematics in some Ukrainian university. That's good. I Don't like that. That's, uh, that's important, right? Just in case, you know, you have to barter for your life Don't by know. solving... Again, it McLaurin's could be just thing. a load of old balls, couldn't it? <laughs> I hope to not think so. I mean, I mean, Euler is another famous French, um, another famous mathematician that lost his life um, uh, in a duel uh, over a woman, I think. That was mm. the... And these are the other things which I find quite reassuring as well, right? Because this is a guy who was the forefront of, you know, um, theoretical physics. Yeah. And he's publishing a paper, right? So he's doing a paper on um, quantum physics and he's talking about something called pilot waves. This is how all to do with um, quantum tunneling and things yeah. like this. And he, um, he has to do a, a, an equation. He has to solve an equation in order to, to progress his paper. And it's the expression the square root of 1 minus A over R to the DR, whatever that means. I don't yeah. even know what it means. Didn't know how to do it. So he went to a Russian mathematician, and the, this is apparently dead easy. If you're a mathematician, it's like bread and butter. It's like yeah. elementary maths. Yeah. So, um, yeah, he wrote the paper after asking for help with it. And when he, when it appeared, he, you know, the other professor was acknowledged, and he became a laughingstock. <laughs> <laughs> because the they realized what the, the extent of his contribution was. was. Right. But it just reassures me that even people at the very forefront are like, I don't know how to do that. Sometimes they just don't know how to do stuff. That's like great, really though. easy stuff. Well, I think there's a real there's a um, there's a real strength in a character to, to ask for help, right? It's to say like, yeah, I don't know how that works. Help me. Are you um, good at doing that, Steve? Am I good at asking for help? I am if I don't know if I particularly our biological collaborators. I don't know any biology, Nick. <laughs> Um, I don't actually. You know, do you know what the Why difference is? Me? The, the thing is, like, I don't know how hard some things are, right? So sometimes we have uh, conversations with our collaborators, and I'll say something like, "Oh, can you purify that? Or can you send us some more of this or something?" And the answer, because sometimes it's really easy in biology, like, "Oh yeah, no problem. That'll take a day or a week." The other day, I was like, "Oh, can we purify this complex?" And my collaborator turned around to me and went, "No, Steve, that's a Nobel Prize if you can do that." <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of you just don't know relatively how difficult some oh, things no, are. I think so. There's another good example of that recently in what we we're doing this. <clears throat> Where we we put in, we we put a drug in a tiny particle, a mm. nanoparticle, and then we give it to some cells. Yeah, the cells eat up the nanoparticles. Yeah, and then something gets switched on that we that we measure. So you measure the up the the thing getting switched on when you you put the thing in the nanoparticle and compare yeah. it to when you don't use the nanoparticle. So you want to try and find out whether there's a difference in the effects. So I just want to find out right with the cells how much of that drug is there in yeah. the cells afterwards how yeah. much it's so i'll give you some cell lysate tell me how much of that thing there is in the cell so you, you know the molecular mass of the yeah of the, just mass packet okay well i'll give it to you then Steve. yeah do it when you well i gave you I, if you may remember that i gave you some samples some time ago do yeah. you remember that maybe yeah you've forgotten that yeah. i've forgotten that shall yeah. i do it again <laughs> <laughs> 
But so you, <laughs> I, I have lots of people give me samples, Nick. I'm only joking. Um, it's, no, it's I'm the, serious. We should do it. Send it to me. I'll we'll mass spec it. Oh, that's the way to do it. And then we got proof of this. As long as you know the mass of the of the, of the of drug. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's really easy. But I don't think it. But people have told me it's not straightforward. I've can, had people can, say can they you do the cells? People say they're doing HPLC. You can lyse the cells, yeah. So I'll give you an example. So we're looking for specific. Um, we're taking human spinal fluid in the lab, and we're and we're purifying it via via a special compound, and then uh, we're trying to determine the protein composition. So we're doing you know on bead mass spec. And then uh, digestion on the bro DRMX exactly bro kind of. well no because we don't we just we all want to care is, is there one protein there or not so is so, so I'm a... saying it's a background of a complicated mixture right. and we can see a single protein all right. okay so, tell me how you want the cells I'll give you them give me the lysate we'll do it yeah yeah we'll tell you if it worked all right if and then it's we'll really hard then I'll say Steve you've sorted it out do I get do I get <laughs> but if if I don't want to be acknowledged and then be a laughing stock so maybe I shouldn't help. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know, I was just reading the BBC website and something mm. in there that I think you might find interesting. Mm. So people have found a, a star, right? Mm. It's called Kepler 11145123. It's a good name, huh? Kepler 11145123. Do you know why it's a, a Did important... Did I remember the number then? No. Uh. It would have been impressive. Um, uh, do you know why it's, 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 it's that's an interesting star? The, because it's the... Astronomers claim that to have that that's the roundest object in the known universe. Oh, that's fucking annoying, Steve. <laughs> it's the roundest object. Yeah. You mean the most spherical object? The most spherical object, yeah. And how far away is Kepler? Um, that's a good question. It is... Doesn't say. How do they know it's the roundest object? So Are you me- just getting this from the BBC website? <laughs> this is annoying me as well. You're just looking at the BBC bloody web. What kind of scientist are you? A you should be one. looking at the original literature. You've just found a website <laughs> on the BBC, <laughs> just randomly going, oh, I don't know, the science podcast information. Let's look on the BBC website. <laughs> that is exactly what I did. Doubly irritating. Um, yeah, it's really round. It's uh, it's twice the size of the sun, and its radius doesn't deviate from the poles more than three kilometers. What expressed as a percentage? Three kilometers of the total, the the maximum deviation away from the sphere on something that's twice the size of the sun. Oh right. So it's very flat. Well, I'm really fascinated. <laughs> Why do we need Petrick, Oscar, Isaac, transplanting? Do you like Ferrero Rocher, Steve? Um, yeah, I, I feel like it's a bit cliched, but yeah, I do. Yeah, I feel it's cliched. It's still Christmassy though, and we're getting close to Christmassy. We're going to do a Christmas special of the of the science shed coming up. Yeah. Uh, which we haven't, which we haven't recorded yet, but I'm sure we'll be good. We're going to do the video again, like we did with the Nobel special. Did you like that? I did. It was quite fun, wasn't it? It was really good fun, and we should do a Facebook Live thing as well, we're shouldn't gonna, we? Yeah. So if people like what we're doing, they should uh, follow us on social media and, and share and subscribe and spread the joy of the science shit around. How, yeah. how would they do that, Nick? 
Oh, you can tweet um, me on at the Evans Lab. And I'm Steve the Chemist on Twitter. So please get in contact and uh, all that social networking jazz. Yeah. Um, and we'll keep doing this. Absolutely. All right. Mm. <laughs> Barrero Rocher. <laughs>